Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Listen, can you imagine the simple complexity, the harmonic unity of Father, Son, and Spirit? God patterned people in His image. Then what are men but notes that God Himself composed to express His heart and flow to His desires? What is creation but a lyrical collection that God Himself crafts of leaping notes half rests and breaths up a bass or treble staff. Listen, could you remember when we notes sought self alone, tried to design ourselves from a composer's throne, believing we are wise, deserving, self-sufficient, we lived out of tune with God. And we lived it unrepentant. We thought, we know where we belong, what we deserve, better than the one who wrote the song. So we rejected his structure, form, and texture for deception's freedom. We gave up one master for a lesser. And can you hear how a wrinkled rhythm ruptures eardrums? When self-serving notes rebel against the harmony, we lose our own identity, erupt in that cacophony distant and dissonant from God's first intent. But listen, can you hear how in his grace he loves us? calls us precious. So dissonance was defeated when Christ was birthed in the verse, and the God-man emerged on earth when the composer took the form of the notes he composed, that Christ might express the Father's melody perfectly, on behalf of notes designed but then distorted, distant, crooked versions, unable to produce the music he desired. Christ was born to live his masterpiece, God in men and men in God at peace. So God hears Christ's life, a complete expression of his composition, the melody he'd made us all and made for us to live. And what is more, we can now be tuned to him, corrected and perfected, victorious and melodious again. Listen. Can you hear him? Are you listening and do you trust him? Because that's the sound of wisdom when it echoes in truth's rhythm When like and in Christ, we notes daily submit, choose to commit to express the melody God is breathing, because he thought us, desired, and then brought us into being. This is merely one rendition, a euphonic reverence for Christ's glory, a metaphorical remembering of a great love story. Yes. Amazing, amazing poetry. Thank you, Jermaine. Thank you, Shannon. Fun fact that a lot of you probably don't know is that um, my wife and Shannon actually went to the same college. They were both at Duke, and I basically lived at Duke in her senior year. And Shannon and I actually hosted, uh, we did spoken word performances hosting a, a dance event 
uh, at Duke. And so that's actually how I got to know Shannon as the wonderful poet that we just got to enjoy. So little bridge trivia there for you all. <laughs> well, good evening, Bridge Church. Hello, family. I didn't know I was at the Bridge Church. I thought it was heaven for a second. Um, you guys look so gorgeous. You're welcome. Welcome to the final week of our series, Masterpiece, a series we've been speaking on, messages surrounding the intersection of art and faith. Up until this point, we've talked about God being the original artist. We also heard that our art doesn't necessarily have to be in a specific ministry context in order for God to use it for his glory. And last week, Pastor Russell expertly broke down how we should approach our art with excellence, lest we be whack. And so we've covered many things in this series, but each one of those messages has approached the topic of art as us, as the artists. But allow me to suggest a different analogy for your craft. Instead of you, the artist, paintbrush in hand, Monday through Friday, brush strokes at your job. Imagine you are a chef and God cares about the meal that you're cooking. You should prepare this meal as unto God. But what about the person on the other side of the table? The person with the napkin in their lap, the person with the fork in hand, ready to consume your latest creation. How should the consumer approach the table? We know God is concerned with our art, and we know God is concerned with our work. But what does God have to say about the art and the work and the media that we consume? This question is something that I have wrestled with for my entire faith journey. How should a believer go about consuming other people's art? Should certain things be off limits to the Christian? Should Christians watch blank? Should Christians read blank? Should Christians go to the blank? These questions have evolved over my whole life. In the beginning, well, it was just preachers and Sunday school teachers telling me how video games and comic books and Pokemon were the devil. And now as a grown-up, the conversation has just shifted. The new devils are Game of Thrones, Power, Netflix, and Facebook. It almost seems like the most important thing to the Christian life is to find more devils to avoid. So often as believers, we fall into a Christianity that is defined by what we don't do. And only looking at what we don't do will prevent you from seeing the full picture. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, not just to not do bad things. But it's so easy to see your Christian life as a minefield that you're trying to walk through and just not get blown up. But at the same time, if I am really honest with myself, as much as I hate the hyper-focus that we as Christians tend to 
have on what not to do, I really had to sit back and ask myself, you know, these preachers and the teachers that were commenting on the culture, are they wrong? I mean, listen, I'm wearing a shirt here that says, Jesus loves gamers. I wear this shirt because of how outcasted nerds and geeks felt in the 80s and 90s as we sat in these services and these Sunday school classes. I wear this because for a long time, nerds and geeks never felt that they belonged in church because our interests had always made the best Christian headlines. Headlines like, the Bible says we need to put away childish things why grown-ups shouldn't read comic books. So now I'm trying to reverse that damage and be like, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay for you to engage in geek culture and love Jesus. But even as I say that, even as I wear a shirt that says Jesus loves gamers, I know many people, grown men in particular, who spend way too much time with that controller in their hands. So on the one hand, I'm shaking my fist at all those Sunday school teachers and preachers who seemed like their one mission in life was just to take away all the fun things from me. But simultaneously, I'm understanding the warning beneath what they were saying. I am stuck between two camps. The camps of the legalistic Christian and the camp of the hyper-freedom Christian. One who makes rules like don't listen to secular music, don't watch rated R movies, don't go to the club, don't go to the bar, and then you'll be saved. And I also met the hyper-freedom Christians who have no boundaries, no barriers on anything or anywhere they went. The truth is, I have been both of those people And what I have learned through my growth in Christ is that both camps have it wrong. The super legalists and the hyper passive have both missed what it means to have a healthy diet. Bridge Church, this topic is delicate, it is complex, it does not have a one sentence solution, and it does not have a one size fits all fix. It requires the hard work of analysis, investigation into your triggers, strengths, and weaknesses. So how can we begin to piece all that together? What do we do in 2018, a year where we have massive amounts of options available to us, of content that we can consume? What should we do from this side of the table? If art was food, does God have something to say about what we're eating. Is God concerned with the diet of your eyes and the diet of your ears? Let's begin that journey by heading to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul writes, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. I have found that too many Christians are concerned with whether or not they can do something and never ask whether or not they should do something. If you are only concerned about avoiding sin, you will miss what it means to be healthy. 
Because believe it or not, there are many not sins that are also not healthy. You can really do harm to yourself and others when your focus is completely on pushing your liberty to the limit. Going to a bar may not be sinful, but it is still potentially deadly to the alcoholic. We cannot live a life where we're constantly trying to get as close to sin as we can without touching it. Doing that and still claiming to be a healthy Christian is hypocrisy. Your campaign of promoting Christian freedom and liberty should always come second to the effect that the activity will have on your spiritual development and the development of your brother and your sister. We really need to move from seeing our consumption like a light switch and more like a dimmer or a volume control knob. See right there. Many times for us, we look at that switch and it's like, oh, if it's on, up, oh, sin. Down, not sin. Up, sin, do not engage. Down, not sin, do it as much as you want, no boundaries. We need to think about the art we consume more like that dimmer on the side. Where things that are sinful are an automatic zero, never do them. But just because something is not sinful doesn't necessarily mean that it's a 9 out of 10 on the health scale. Some things are a 1 out of 10. Not sinful, but also not healthy. Allow me to give you an example. I have a wife. In case you didn't know that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's not for fashion. I also have... I also have a five-year-old daughter. Yeah, not as much clapping. Uh, <clears throat> my wife and I watch TV together. My daughter, y'all gonna get this. My daughter and I also watch TV together. The shows that I watch with my wife are not the shows I watch with my daughter. None of the shows are sinful to watch, but the shows I watch with my grown-up wife wouldn't be healthy for my five-year-old daughter. And as a good father, I have to make sure I keep my hand on the dimmer to make sure I'm providing a healthy diet for her smaller ears and smaller eyes. You know, not too long ago, she told me she doesn't like shows where the characters are in love, but they aren't married. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> Discipleship. It's good. And while I was proud of that, I had to realize... I'm proud that she's having an understanding of what a relationship between a man and a woman should be leading to, but I probably need to dial back on the content that had characters who were expressing romantic love because this was something I didn't want TV to teach her. This was something for me to teach. So I hope you're starting to see how complex and nuanced this whole health thing is. How the health of the art being consumed can't just be not sin or sin. It's not even enough 
to look at the relative healthiness of an activity only at one time. Because as time goes by, you are also learning more and more about you and how you respond to certain things. So it's possible that art you deemed healthy for you in 2018 is not healthy for you in 2019. We have to start looking closer. We have to keep our hand on that dimmer to start to grade how each thing we feed our eyes and each thing we feed our ears, where does it land on a scale of one to 10? How healthy is this for me? In this chapter that we're looking at this verse, Paul is using food and drink to preach a message about God's glory. We must admit that there are striking parallels between our physical diet and our spiritual diet. There is so much we can gain from treating the things that we feed our eyes and feed our ears with the same level of investigation of the things that we feed our stomachs. Hand on the dimmer, how healthy is this for me? Well, how do we even gauge that? How do we gauge health? You know, one thing I noticed, uh, well, one thing I like to do is people watch, right? That might sound weird, but it's my hobby. And when I go to the supermarket, I always have my eye out uh, for the people who are health conscious. And there's always a way you can tell. People who aren't health conscious walk by the things in the store. They see something they like. They might look at the price. They grab it and put it in the cart. The health conscious person, on the other hand, walks by the item, looks at the front, grabs it, and turns it to the side because they are interested in the nutrition facts. And every time I see that, I know I am looking at a person who is concerned about what they are putting in their body. See, when it comes to art and media, many times we only talk about the front of the box. Oh my goodness, would you look at the design? The colors and that font, my goodness. <laughs> And look at how they describe that thing, all natural, organic, whole grain. I need that. <laughs> and we might look at the price, but if the price is right, it's going right into the cart. Bridge Church, we cannot be those people. We cannot approach art this way. So yes, I know the story is intricate, and yes, I know her voice is amazing. And yes, I know that dude could really rap. And I know the acting in this show is out of this world. But never, ever put it in the cart of your life until you turned it over to the side. Because while the front of the box will entice you to buy it, the side of the box will tell you the consequences of your actions. And as a chubby man, trust me on this. <clears throat> the front of the box is how I got this way. <laughs> to only deal with my choices at face value or to only consider the things that the company thought would be marketable leaves me blind to what the product is going to do to me after I consume it. Because all food gets digested and its contents distributed through the entire body. In the same way, all thoughts, sounds, stories, 
pictures, feelings, from the art we consume gets digested and distributed into our minds. We got to start asking some questions about our art and the media that we like so much. You got to grab it, look at the side and say, any vitamins in this show? Any minerals in this movie? What are the ingredients in this? What went into making it? We must analyze what we're feeding our eyes and ears because some of it is useless at best and poison at worst. We must consider the content of the art we so readily consume. The sad part is most of us just eat. Listen, let me ask you all a question. Can someone live off Twinkies? Maybe. But should they? Absolutely not. Twinkies are not a health food. That was for free. And therefore, you must be careful. In the same way that there's only so much food you can eat in a day, there's only so much time you can spend in a day. Twinkies, which I would say are probably a one out of 10 on the health scale, borderline zero. It's almost a sin. Okay. If consumed at all, should only represent a small percentage of the food that you eat that day. Because once it climbs into the higher percentage, you now are having a poor diet. And poor diets only lead to one thing, disease. And disease, if, one, if untreated, is only heading in one direction, death. In the same way that there is only so much time in the day, there are most definitely Twinkie-like movies, Twinkie-esque shows, and Twinkie-ish music, meaning they have very low health value. They promote things that you are against, and so they belong in a very small percentage of your day. Any day spent consuming a high percentage of low health art will cause you to feel the effects of a poor diet, which is disease and ultimately spiritual death. So how do we go about grading our art? How can we begin to start to decipher the nutrition facts? How do we know if it's a one, a five, a seven, a ten? Let's take a look in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things or think on these things. Hand on the dial. These, family, are the 10 out of 10s. These are the superfoods for your soul. You know, the thing about superfoods is that they are incredibly nutritionally dense. They supercharge you in ways that other foods do not. The other thing about superfoods, if you were to go home and just Google superfoods, you would find article after article after article on how these foods can actually reverse disease. 
we must be in hot pursuit of these superfoods because they have transformative power. Things that are true, programming, poetry, and posters that speak truth will overcome a diet that has caused you to believe lies about yourself. Whatever is honorable, movies that showcase what it means to walk with dignity can help to free you from the trap of low self-worth. Whatever is just, music that exposes injustice in our society can rally a diverse group of people together to bring systemic change. Whatever is pure, beautiful books can intricately describe scenes that cause us to be in awe of God's holiness. Whatever is lovely, awesome paintings can pull us out of a depressive state and put God's creative genius on display. These things, these are the things that are commendable, things worthy of recognition. We must develop an appetite for these things. Look for these aspects in the art that you feed your eyes and you feed your ears. In the same way, we pick up that box and we look on the side and we're like, oh, how much fat is in this? How many grams? How, many, how much protein is here? Does this have carbs in it? any vitamins in here, minerals? Look at the nutrition facts of the art. How many grams of truth are in there? How much purity does it have? How many milligrams of honor? <laughs> Anything promoting justice in here? We must begin to start looking at the contents of our content. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, verse 9. Matthew chapter 18, verse 9. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. Some of us are falling away because of what we're feeding our eyes. The imagery of this verse is so strong. It is saying, if seeing is preventing you from being in the place where you are obeying God, it is better that you don't see at all. And so I am in a place very similar to this, very tough place, dieting, right? It's just as bad as losing an eye. <laughs> and dieting is hard because dieting is based on restriction, and so part of my progress is based on how well I do in avoiding the foods I should be avoiding. Like, for instance, I shouldn't eat McDonald's. And that has been pretty easy. Ice cream, on the other hand, has been a little bit more difficult. But you know what makes avoiding the consumption of ice cream much easier? Not buying ice cream. Amen. You shouldn't consume this, so it shouldn't exist in your house. Now, sometimes this is unavoidable, but you must become aware of the things that are triggers for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 asks us to lay aside the sin that 
easily ensnares us. That thing is different for each of us. But for me, Baskin Robbins, Carvel, Cold Stone, I should never be in any of those places. Why? Because I have a goal. And these places will cause me to second guess and justify every reason in the world why I should take my eyes off the goal. You know, uh, my birthday is on Tuesday. And, uh, oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, But there's temptation for me to take my eye off the goal that day. To justify why turning another age means I should be chubby for one extra day. But I say to that, but if my birthday meal causes me to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for me to enter into my next age in better health than to have celebrated and offset my progress. And some of you might be like, yo, dad, bro, you going in. It's just one day. It's your birthday. And if that's you, then you don't know my story. Eating poorly used to be my identity. I had been ensnared by it. I know what it's like to feel its chains on my wrists. I know how it made me feel. I know how it caused me to see myself in the mirror. So it's fine for you to look at me like I'm a little weird, or maybe I'm going too hard, but that's okay because I'd rather look weird than fail. I'd rather look weird than quit. And like food, there are things you could feed your eyes that are gonna sabotage your goals. There is art and media that is keeping you at an arm's distance from God. You gotta gouge it out, even if it makes you seem a little weird. It is better to be seen as weird than to fall away from Jesus. Girl, I can't watch that movie. Why not? Because so-and-so is in it, and I'm not myself when I see her. (laughs) Or when I listen to this artist. For some reason, I always get depressed. Or I get angry. And I find that I'm starting to begin to adopt a pattern of thinking that it isn't healthy for my life. Or my walk with God. The Bible says to get rid of it. Run from it. Don't put yourself around it. You have got to understand the power of sin. Sin is powerful and it wants to keep you in prison, keep you trapped and never let you go. So what is the media that so easily trips you up? Instagram posts, HBO, Spotify playlists, YouTube videos. Sometimes the answer as to why you feel distant from God can be found in your internet history. And I'm not even talking about porn. 
You know, because many times you went to the porn site because you were scrolling on that social media site. But whatever it is, we need to start exploring the triggers that are caused by the art that we eat. We got to start admitting we have allergies to some of this art. You know how some people, like they're vegan, vegetarian, you've heard of these people, right? They make a choice not to consume meat, dairy, animal-based products. But then there are also people who are allergic or intolerant. For example, my wife is lactose intolerant, which means her body has a negative reaction whenever she consumes dairy products. A vegan does not drink milk, but my wife can't drink milk. You see the difference there? One of those things is a choice. The other one is a consequence. You must treat your sin like an allergy. It must be connected to the consequence. If you ever have any hope of taking the battle against sin seriously, you must connect it to the payout of sin. Romans chapter 6, verses 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. The payout for engaging in disobedience is death. Any media, any art that pushes you away from Jesus is a death sentence. It is killing you spiritually. You know, a waiter comes by a table, and there are two people at the table, and the first person to give their order says to the waiter, hey, uh, let me get the burger and uh, no pickles. And he waits for the second person, and the second one says, okay, I got it. I'm going to go with the, um, the pasta dish, uh, no shrimp. I'm allergic. This waiter needs to make sure he gets this order right. If he messes up the burger, he could be out of a tip. But if he messes up the pasta, he could be out of a job. An unfulfilled preference can end a good day, but an untreated allergy can end a good life. No, no, no. It's not that I choose to not watch this thing or I just choose to not read this thing because of some preference that I have. I don't engage in it because the Holy Spirit that is inside of me is sin intolerant. I'm not gluten free. I'm Satan free. Because I know the payout for sin. I know the cost. But even though you guys are making all this noise, I know there's always that woman or that man who's always like, yo, Pastor Ridge, I just want to let you know I'm different. I'm special. Stuff I watch, stuff I read, stuff I do, that don't really affect me. I know like everybody else in the whole world is affected by the stuff that they put in their ears and put in their eyes, but not me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. 
It says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Don't try to sell me the lie that your body is full of light despite the diet of darkness you feed your eyes. The scripture is saying the light comes into the body through the eyes. The scripture is saying that the light, the art, the media that you put in here affects the state of your body here. To deny that art and media has an effect on your spiritual health is just as ignorant a statement of someone saying their weight gain has nothing to do with their overeating. So really, I can tell how lit the body is by how much light I see you feeding your eyes. Imagine for a second that you are riding in a car and your friend is driving. And all of a sudden, you run out of gas. And so, friend pulls into the gas station like normal, pays at the pump, grabs the pump, then she starts spraying the car with gasoline. Gets back inside the car, turns the car on, and wonders why the dashboard is saying, we're still out of gas. Well, that's because that's not how you refuel a car. In order to refuel a car, you got to get a hold of the gas tank. You need to find a way to pour something inside the vehicle. Your eyes and your ears are the connection to your heart. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15 says, For this, people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. There are people in this room with callous hearts. You are present with your body, but your heart is far from God. You feed your eyes and ears garbage all week with the hope that coming here and listening to this sermon on Sunday is enough to cover it all up. It would be like eating fast food Monday through Saturday and then eating a kale salad on Sunday and then wondering why your body is still unhealthy. There are people in this room who don't listen anymore. There are people in this room who have shut their eyes. There are people in this room whose hearts have grown cold. Bridge Church, you got to get a hold of your gas tank and begin to start pouring a fresh word from the scriptures into your ears, fixing your eyes on things that are true, things that are pure, and things that are lovely. If your eye is healthy, then your body will be full of light. Remember, we can't define our Christian walk just by what we don't do. We need to have a diet of the eyes and a diet of the ears that is healthy. We need to continue to analyze hand on the dimmer, the control knob, looking at the nutrition facts, looking at the side of the box. 
is this a healthy piece of art? Or maybe this is just that two out of 10, once a month dessert kind of art. Maybe it's that zero out of 10, I should never touch this again kind of art. Or maybe it's that 10 out of 10, I need to get this every day kind of art. You know, I have a picture here of a food pyramid. It's nothing special about it, and I probably don't agree with it. But <laughs> the point is to look at the levels. I know you all are probably familiar with this. This has been in probably every classroom we've ever been in. But the thing to note about this is that the bottom is the thing that's foundational to your diet. It shows the things that you should be consuming the most. The top of the pyramid is the smallest. And that's indicative of things that you should be doing the least. So I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Sometimes I watch TV shows that are a little ratchet. <laughs> Confession. Forgive me. But you know the truth is? Sometimes you do too. The key is, where does that show fall on the pyramid? Sometimes I read the Bible. And sometimes you do too. But where does the Bible fall on the pyramid? You cannot ever allow the top of the pyramid to become the bottom or allow the bottom of the pyramid to become the top. Your health will suffer if your diet of the eyes and diet of the ears lacks content that is pure, just, lovely, commendable, and moral. Likewise, your health will suffer if your diet of the eyes and the diet of the ears has too much content that is immoral, false, ugly, and dishonorable. This is why this new concept of binging is so dangerous. Binging has become a phenomenon in our new streaming television culture. But a binge for your eyes is just like a binge for your stomach. And I know about those. And they're very unhealthy. Binging with food comes in when we begin to see food as comfort. It fills a void that was left perhaps by a broken relationship or unfulfilled dream. It is the base for many eating disorders and the rampant obesity that we see in our culture. But one thing is almost synonymous with binging, and that is regret. To overfill your plate and eat all the food till you are beyond stuffed, hoping it would provide some fulfillment, and it never does. It only makes you wish you could reverse time and never have touched the plate at all. Now, I know many of you may have never done that with a knife and fork, but you've definitely done that with phone and TV. And the just one more becomes six more. And at the end, you look at the clock and you realize you have just wasted your life. I have had that experience too many times. Binging causes you to reverse the pyramid. Guard your pyramid with your life. 
Keep the main thing the main thing. Your eyes and your ears are the gateways to your heart. You must be an iron guard over it. You know, uh, the first scripture that we read today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the chapter where Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. He would go on later in that chapter in verse 31, and he would say, whether it is eating or whether it is drinking, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And honestly, this verse sums up my entire message. Your life and all the things that you do and all the things that you read and all the things you listen to and all the things that you watch, if we looked at a given day, month, year even, whose glory were you after? To live a life and put no boundaries on what enters your vision or what floats by your ears is to live a life in hot pursuit of your own glory. Glory is given when the leader is honored, respected, and followed. What rules your life? Is it scripture? Is it God? Prayer? Or is it your emotions, desires, and appetite? You know, for many of us as children, we were taught to say grace before we eat. This puts us in a posture of recognizing who provided the food, and it gives us an opportunity to express our gratitude to him. Oh, the glory that God must feel to hear his children give thanks for the provision that he has provided for them. But... Should God only get the glory for the food? What about the Apple TV? What about the phone in your pocket? The laptop in your bag? The Kindle or book on your nightstand? The music streaming service you subscribe to? The game console in your living room? Are these things vehicles for health? or vehicles for destruction. Now listen, if you're not interested in giving God the glory, then feel free to use these things in any way you see fit. But if you want to live a life that glorifies our Heavenly Father, then you got to use these things to bring content to your heart that promotes a healthy spiritual life. It's got to reflect a healthy food pyramid. The things that measure eights, nines, and tens on the scale, right there on the bottom, foundational. The fours and fives somewhere in the middle. The ones, twos, and threes all the way on top in the smallest box. And the zeros nowhere to be found. We must consume art to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, for your glory, I do everything. 
Father, grab hold of our eyes. Grab hold of our hearts. <coughs> God, assist us as we peer into the culture and we look at the art and we look at the media. Help us to make healthy choices. Let your Holy Spirit stand guard in front of our hearts. Let us think twice. Check the side of the box before we allow anything into the gateways to our heart. We love you, God. We honor you. And we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.